Welcome to the World Football Summit podcast, the show for football industry leaders who want to stay ahead of the game. We bring you the latest insights, trends, and stories from the experts driving innovation and progress in sports business worldwide. Join us as we dive deep into the ideas and initiatives transforming the world of football. From sustainability and innovation to player development, fan engagement, and everything in between. Our goal is to unite the global football industry and drive positive change and progress. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the World Football Summit podcast. I'm your host, Jaime, CMO at World Football Summit. This week, we welcome Ahmed Al-Khalifa to the show. Ahmed is General Secretary at RIFA FC, a football club from Bahrain and former alumni at Johan Cruyff Institute. This was a wide-reaching conversation where we discussed the day-to-day of running the club, including his role, the sport business model, opportunities or challenges. We reviewed in depth the state of the football industry in the region. And we discussed his experience at Johan Cruyff Institute and how it helped him prepare for his role. I think this conversation is going to surprise you, so I suggest you stick around. And you know what? Juan Valdez, which is 100% premium Colombian coffee, didn't miss it. Again, I must admit, I'm very picky when it comes to coffee. And I must say, Juan Valdez definitely hits the bar for me. But this cup of coffee is much more than that. It is a premium blend developed by female coffee makers, and Juan Valdez has this program in which they look to empower these women both economically and socially. This resonates very much with the female leadership in football initiative we launched at World Football Summit a few months back. So I'm very excited to partner with them to offer this premium blend to you. You can order it online at es.juanvaldez.com. And they actually have a special discount for the World Football Summit podcast listeners. All you need to do is enter the code WFSPODCAST at checkout. Again, that's WFS in capital letters podcast at checkout. And the website is es.juanvaldez.com. The best thing is they deliver to all markets in Europe. So give it a try and let me know what you think. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast on your platform of choice and share it with your industry colleagues. You can also subscribe to our newsletter where every week we send updates, trends and everything that goes on at our events. You can find the link in the show notes. Nothing else from my side. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ahmed Al-Khalifa, General Secretary at RIFA FC. Well, Ahmed, welcome to the World Football Summit podcast. Um, I think we're going to have a, an interesting and surprising conversation for those who listen. Uh, we're going to talk about you know football in, in the MENA region, about your role at, uh, at RIFA Club in, in Bahrain about education. I mean, it's going to be a wide-ranging conversation. So yes, welcome. So, so Ahmed, um, I was just thinking before we go into all of these topics that we want to discuss, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself very briefly. And, and I always like to ask my guests, why is it that you do what you do? Yeah, uh, well, my, my name is Ahmed Al-Khalisa and I'm from Bahrain. Um, I studied my uh, bachelor degree and my master's degree in business administration um, from DePaul University in Chicago. And recently I did my second master in football business. Uh, from Johan Cruyff Institute in Barcelona. Uh, and I'm a board member, general secretary of Rifa Football Club. Um, if you ask me why I choose football, uh, basically football is the passion for me, for majority of uh, the people that will attend, of, co- of course, the World Football Summit. Um, since I was young, I was playing football. I played in uh, under 16, under 17 in Rifa, And then I, I got my SEL injured. 
and then I concentrated in 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 my studies. Uh, as soon as I graduate, I joined Prefa in different, let's say, football engagement uh, committees um, for a few years. Then I moved to Football Association, Bahrain Football Association. I joined as a director of under-23 uh, national team um, for three years and then back to Rifa as a board member uh, till now. It's amazing how, uh, you know, sometimes injuries uh, seem the worst thing in the world. But then they open up a, a new breadth of possibilities uh, and, and you were able to kind of like, you know, do, I mean, not that an injury is good or anything, but it did, you know, set you up for a, a, an interesting career in sports, no? Um, and, and yeah, so I don't know, um, let's go into a little bit more detail. How did you actually end up entering the football industry? Uh, what, was the, what were the first steps? Well, I, I think my heart took me to the football industry because uh, we are a football fans and we watch football. Uh, it, it, it's a way of life uh, for me. But since, uh, let's say, uh, joining RIFA in football uh, fan engagement uh, committees, and I was young enough to enter the football industry, um, even joining with the amateur football leagues. Uh, as you know, uh, at that age, uh, we always have that uh, kind of competitions that we like to participate in. Even when I was injured, I was like forming a team of friends and players to to, to participate in that tournament. And we win a lot of that uh, tournament. So it's it's always happy moments to, to, uh, to work on something and then win. Uh, I think that's why I, I like football. I like to work in football because there there's always uh, goals, achievements in, in between your uh, career, let's say. So uh, recently when I joined uh, Rafa, we were champions of the league and then champions of the cup. That kind of, uh, let's say, excitement and encouragement to work more in, 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 in the industry, let's say. And Ahmed, now that you're Rafa and you're the general secretary there, um, what's your role? I mean... Could you describe it somehow? What's your day-to-day? Could you divide your, your role into buckets, let's say? Yeah, of course. So basically, in, in uh, as you know, uh, the board is identified by, uh, let's say, a, a group of uh, nine uh, members. And then I'm, I'm also the general secretary. So basically, the role is meeting once a month for the board. So uh, at the beginning of, of every four years, so the new board will decide the strategy, the goals of the club and the budget of of every year. But then every month we do, let's say, a monthly meeting to discuss the progress and, and if there's any critical decisions to, to, to take. Um, beside that, being the general secretary, of course, uh, I manage the correspondence, letters, outgoing, incoming. So you, we coordinate with different clubs, with the football association, uh, the competition, the league. And, and and stuff like that. So um, it's it's like handling the the, the mailbox of the club. Uh, beside, of course, being a board member. When you like what you do, it's kind of much easier to to go into a role where you try to learn as much as you can, do as much as you can to just help the the business really um, go forward. No, so so that's interesting. And and I think in terms of the club, I mean, I'm wondering, um, how does a club in Bahrain run its sports business model? Now, I don't wanna I don't wanna go into financial metrics or anything, but I, if possible, I do want to understand kind of like the pillars um, of, of how you how you run the club from a business perspective. Uh, well, basically, uh, the football clubs in, in, in Bahrain are uh, government-owned entities. Um, so the board will be elected by uh, club members, and then they will run the club uh, in a business model, let's say, um, 
If you want me to mention pillars, I would say we're talking here about performance, business, and um, social, uh, which is the social uh, responsibility, uh, where the government is, is is asking every club to to take care of that. So in terms of performance, we're looking into winning, achieving goals, trophies, things like that. I love that. I mean, that, that you know, a strong focus on social, I mean, um, it's something, you know, worth admiring, really, because football has a business side of it that's an undeniable, but it also has that social impact, right? And just that, you know, being government-owned entities and that it's pretty much um, pushing to create that social impact is, is just a fantastic message that I think, you know, is, is definitely um, worth learning from, no? Um, in terms of challenges, Ahmed, what, what are the main challenges you've had to overcome when, when running the club? Anything that stands out? I would say limited resources. So I think football in general, uh, not only in Bahrain, needs to have more educated manpower uh, in, in terms of handling and managing football. So not every time you can have only ex-players or ex-managers that can run clubs, uh, but you more need uh, proper educated uh, people because football now is more of an industry. So it requires uh, education in terms of business and experts, uh, financial experts and in, in investment and in real estate, commercial, uh, marketing, uh, you, you, you can name it. So I think for me, the challenge is we need that uh, resources in terms of manpower and also uh, financial uh, resources. Let's flip that around. What about opportunities? Where do you see the biggest window of opportunity? Uh, in terms of opportunities, I would say uh, the growth in, in football industry in general. Um, as you know, the evolution of uh, Saudi football now, which is close to Bahrain, there's only a bridge connecting uh, us to, to, to Saudi. Um, so I would consider that as a the biggest window of opportunity for Rifa and for football industry in, in, in Bahrain in general. Um, if you look at the influence, for example, of the, the Premier League to the Scottish League, that's how I see the opportunity coming to Bahrain from, from, from the growth of uh, Saudi football. Yeah, I, I think that's something worth, um, worth stopping in, right? Because the discourse I see right now is, you know, especially when you go into the Western countries, is, you know, how Saudi is becoming quote-unquote a threat and how their model is impacting the overall industry. But if you think about it, it's not only that they're growing as a country, they're helping the entire region grow. And I think that's good for football. Um, we, we just published a report with, with uh, you know, our friends from LTT Sports and, and basically they said that, that there were so many markets up there with untapped potential. Um, and it's good to see that having a country like Saudi leading, if you will, kind of like, you know, the investment is also helping the rest of the region. No? So, so that's interesting to see. Um, and I guess my next question would be, um, is there a club that you look up to or that you use as a reference um, for running uh, Rifa? I mean, it doesn't have to be even football. It doesn't have to be in the region. I mean, is there, who, who do you look up to? Um, well, uh, basically, there's no really uh, a definite club to, to use as a model to run a Rifa because, as I said, it's a government-owned entity and there is a board that will, will, will run and sustain uh, the achievements and social responsibilities of the club. But if you ask me personally what I would love to have as a, as a let's say, football uh, model, 
I would love to see a model like Benfica Football Club is uh, where improving the youth system and developing players, managing them. And then uh, maybe as we as we mentioned now, the Saudi League, maybe we can uh, have the opportunity to sell our players to the to, to the Saudi League and then uh, make big profit out of that. So uh, especially for my club because I believe in, 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 in youth and talent that we have. So it's a big opportunity for us to use that model uh, since I study about it in, 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 in my master's also. And that's a very good model to adopt. Definitely Benfica is one of those clubs that are doing things right. And they have a focus on on long-term sustainability, yes, but also on developing uh, the pyramid, developing the grassroots. And the results are there for them, right? So the, interesting. And and we're going to talk about your your experience at, at Johan Cruyff Institute a little bit later because I'm, I'm curious about that, no? Um, but but before we do, um, I was wondering, you know, I mean, I want to take the opportunity that you're here to kind of get a better understanding of, of the general football industry in the region. So... I want to start off by asking, how, how would you describe the football industry in Bahrain? Is, is there any, you know, any key themes that, that you want to highlight? I think it's a growing industry, let's say. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned recently, we established uh, privatization in football clubs. So, we might see uh, companies or new owners to take over and, and, and run the club as a business entity, let's say. Um, so, till then, I think there will be a proper growth and development in, 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 in Bahrain uh, football as an industry. So, uh, I would consider it a growing industry now. Uh, maybe in, in, in two or three years' time, we will see a big progress in, 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 in the league. Uh, maybe we can compete higher in, in, in AFC uh, competitions as well. Yeah, I was doing some research for, for this conversation. And there's a report um, developed by Market Research Future. And basically it said that the Bahraini football market was valued at uh, 32.9 million, I think it was in 2022. Um, and it's actually expected to reach 47.2 million by, by 2028. No, So that's a, a, a growth rate of, of five, yeah, 5.5% more or less. Um, so in that sense, I think we can focus on different pillars to see how they all fit to create th that positive momentum. No? So, so um, I don't know if you would be able to describe dynamics around, first of all, investment. Um, is there any trend worth uh, noting there? If you, if you look at football clubs in Bahrain, a lot of them uh, do have investments when it comes to even to real estate. Uh, so in, in, in the plot of every club, they do have like they lease part of the, the plot to do commercials like shopping malls, schools and things like that, that will gain revenue and income for the for the club financially. So that's in, in terms of investments of every uh, club. Another strong pillar is popularity, no? Um, I guess there is a growing popularity of football versus other sports, but that's just my assumption and I was wondering if you could confirm that. Football in Bahrain will always be number one sport, uh, by far, of course. Especially, for example, when you see the national team, the last time they played, there were ne nearly 20,000 spectators in the national stadium and, and you don't see that in any other sports in comparison. So for years now, uh, football is number one uh, sports, not like any other uh, country around. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it, just that region, just the passion that you see for football there is just, uh, it's amazing, no? I, I always go to those countries and, and I'm just amazed uh, where, you know, uh, we just came back from World Football Summit Asia and, and you could see that everybody there was just, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote, in love with football. No? And and I guess the third pillar we're talking about is youth, right? We You mentioned it before when you were talking about Benfica how it's one of their pillars, no? So, so how is uh, youth football developing in Bahrain? 
Well, uh, uh, just to mention, Bahrain is a very small island and the population is, let's say, I think 1.5 million. Uh, 700,000, like 50% are the Bahrainis. So, uh, but the Football Association in Bahrain has improved the system of, of, of youth uh, dramatically in the past five years. So there was an introduction of a rule that says that every coach uh, in youth level and clubs needs to be qualified, a certified coach, either it will be uh, a license or b license or even pro license uh, when it comes to under 23s. So for every category, uh, let's say under 15, the head coach should be uh, a licensed with A or B uh, to manage that uh, uh, team. Otherwise, he's not eligible to manage. And that improved the system uh, very uh, in a very good way so uh, every club now have a certified coach to train the the clubs because uh, as you know uh, previously uh, due to restricted budgets or any other uh, things uh, they will only have like ex players or or just anyone that can have the capabilities to manage a team but now he should be certified therefore you will make sure that his his education is proper and he can give better physical uh, training and things like that so you guarantee the youth progress of all the players. I'm not talking about Rifa, but the whole system in general to improve the the, the youth system of uh, Bahrain. And it helped a lot. Actually, uh, speaking about the youth, you were actually in charge of the under-23 team, if I'm not mistaken, right? And, and it achieved remarkable success. So I was wondering, what did you learn from that experience that uh, that, that has served you over the course of your career and in your role today, Ebersal? Uh I learned a lot. Uh, I was in charge of, um, I was the director of under-23 team. Um, the players were in the age of 21, 22, uh, let's say. And I was handling all the, let's say, the admin work, this, the admin staff uh, when it comes to the, the national team. Um, we traveled to participate in different tournaments in, in all over Asia, in Europe. Uh, we participated in to uh, tournaments, Asian Cup, and, and other uh, tournaments for the youth. If you ask me what I learned, I will say I learned how to man-manage the players, the staff, and everyone. That's that's uh, a very important aspect when, you, when, when you're a director of a group. Um, and then dealing with the rules and regulations of uh, AFC, uh, Asian Football uh, Confederation, and uh, the participation and registration of the Asian Cups and all that uh, tournament. Uh, there were, of course, a lot of challenges when you take care of a group of 35, 40 uh, people and being head of delegation. So you take the full responsibility if anything goes wrong. Um, but I always loved the challenge, uh, being day in, day out, uh, attending training sessions, uh, games, that will always make me smile. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's something I've discussed with other leaders from the industry, no? Sometimes the reward is the journey, not really the outcome. So so I think that's kind of like you're alluding there, no? And kind of like the day-to-day -day challenges and then looking back, it's when you realize everything you've accomplished. But maybe when you're in the weeds, it doesn't, uh, you know, seem that way, no? So so that's interesting. Um, thank you for that. Um, and you kind of like, you know, hinted at it a little bit before, but I, I was wondering if you could go into a little bit more detail about how um, everything that's going on in, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, in terms of, you know, how they're developing sport, how they're developing football, they're investing. Um, how is impacting that in, in the entire region? 
So basically, when we speak about Saudi Arabia, of course, we need to know that the league there and the, let's say, the football were well advanced even before the revolution, which happens last summer uh, and 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 uh, last January when 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 Cristiano Ronaldo joined. But uh, so they they were far ahead from majority of the region when it comes to the league participation in in AFC Champions League they were always winners uh, they were the top competitors um but what happened recently is is let's say the evolution uh, so saudi uh, focused on making football as a priority in the vision of the country 2030 so when it comes to infrastructure and uh, budgeting you can see the the uh, evolution has started uh, last year uh, and the whole region will will benefit from that uh, in terms of sporting side but also from economical impact uh, if you look at the world cup that will come in 2034 i think they they they, they won the 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 bet and for me personally of course <laughs> being too close to saudi because there is a causeway between us uh, and i can drive to saudi so and uh, two or three clubs that participate in the league are too close to my home, so uh, I, I managed to attend a lot of games uh, by car going to that uh, stadium. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an evolution, and we're 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 feeling it. We're we're getting the benefit out of it, but uh, it's a long journey. Um, if it's thirteen years to to World Cup, so if it started today, we're part of it, and 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 we're looking forward to see what what things might come. That's a good message. I mean, at the end of the day, um, this has to be a long-term play because, I mean, if you look, even if the top leagues in the world, probably you look at the Premier League, right? The Premier League was founded in, in 1992, I think it was, or early 90s. It's now that they've become the unquestionable leader in sports and they've been there for several years. But they had some time where, you know, it was Italy, then it was Spain, and now it's them, right? And I think this can be a similar um, effect where you have the entire region kind of like, you know, they're starting to invest, but probably the results of becoming a, a major league. It will come if they continue this commitment, but it was, it's going to take some time, no? And Rifa, I mean, you, you play the AFC Cup, if I'm not mistaken, and, and they've changed the format recently, right? Um, and they've created what they call the AFC Champion League 2. Um, from your perspective, and, you know, just, just to briefly understand why did that change happen? Did it make sense? I mean, what's your, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? So far as participating now in AFC Cup uh, before the uh, transformation of the the new uh, competitions, and we are thrown out to the semi-final. So let's hope we win we win the trophy this time. Um, for the new format, it will start I think from next season. So basically, what they did is they did a Champions League elite. Uh, which is co uh, equivalent to the Champions League uh, of 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 uh, Europe, and then they changed the name of AFC Cup to Champions League Two, and then they introduced a new tournament called AFC Challenge, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, if you look at it deeply, it is uh, similar to what happened in, in, for UEFA uh, when when they introduced the the Europa League and then uh, Conference Cup. Um, for me, it gives a better, uh, better uh, rate of winning for different coefficient leagues when it comes to the lower leagues to participate in different tournaments. Um, so it will, will always be nice for them to 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 compete in an uh, uh, let's say nation, not not a nation, but in, in like a, 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 an Asian uh, competition, uh, and it would be great challenge uh, for them. Uh, if you take an example for uh, last year when West Ham won the Conference Cup, it was so nice for them to 
to win a European competition. Uh, although they, they finished sixth or seventh in the Premier League, but they still win a European uh, competition. So I think AFC uh, copied that and they're looking to have more uh, competitions for better chances for everyone to win and then uh, also for better financial benefits, let's say. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what we were mentioning before. No, If you elevate the quality of play, you're going to get more fans drawn into the game and then that's going to trickle the entire, uh, call it, commercial model, no? the, the partnerships, the broadcasting. No? So I guess it makes sense um, you know, to, to do that from a business perspective. No? So yeah, I want to thank you because that was an interesting overview. I hope you know, those who listened um, kind of like got a better sense of, of what's going on in the region, which I think it's, it's definitely worth paying attention to. No? Um, and I want to kind of like uh, shift into a more um, personal side of, of, of your career in terms of leadership and your experience as a, you know, a, a, your master's. Um, but before though, I mean, the surprising thing here is that your role at Rifa is not your full-time job, you know? Um, so you, you, I was wondering if you could, you know, help us understand what your, you know, call it full-time job really is and how has that benefited your career as a, you know, and how, or actually let's flip that around. How has sports helped you develop or, or become a better business professional in general? So I, I, I work in, in the government uh, since 2010. I'm now a director of uh, human resources and, 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 and finance besides my board role in, in, in RIFA. Um, in terms of how did football and sports in general help me, I, 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 I feel proud that I worked in football in, uh, since I was young. Uh, and I learned a lot when it comes to leadership, when it comes to handling issues, working under pressure. Uh, you know, in football, there's always goals. There's always football match next week that you need to win and things like that. So you work in a, in a, in a framework of achieving to progress, to achieving a gain, or, or for example, losing a game and then uh, standing up uh, to, to work harder and try to win the next game and things like that. And uh, seeing my colleagues in, in, in the professional level, not everyone have that uh, mindset. So not everyone likes to put himself, for example, in a challenging uh, position. So saying I have this project and I can guarantee to my board of directors or to my management that I will finish it in one month. And I feel challenged and I want to have the success of winning that uh, kind of thing, uh, if, if you know what I mean. And um, uh, similar to managing in football, I manage around 20 to 30 employees in my department here. And I think it's easy uh, to manage compared to what we have in football and uh, different players, different mindsets um, and working as a, uh, as a team. So the teamwork is, is key in every uh, aspect. And I think it's the same when it comes to football or sports or any any other industry so i i, I learned a lot from 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 sport yeah it's just amazing to see how how sport teaches values that you can then apply to not only business but probably in life no so you talked about you know being able to accept and embrace challenge about leadership about understanding that people are kind of like you know being show empathy for the different um, types of people that you work with so so th those are just fantastic lessons for life in general no um and you were also a student, you mentioned it at the beginning, you know, um, a student at the Johan Cruyff Institute who joined us for, well, they've actually joined us for a lot of our events. Um, and so it's great to see them there. But I was wondering, you know, how, how was your experience like? And 
more importantly, how did it prepare you for your role? When I heard that they have a master's in football business, I was so excited to, to, to join. Uh, and I recently uh, graduated from, from that. So um, it helped me a lot. I learned a lot of things in, 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 in football industry. Um, I got knowledge and understanding uh, because, you know, my experience in, in, in Bahrain football is narrow to one side of the game. Uh, but in, in, in the institute, you learn about the industry in general, um, especially that you have, for example, instructors and guests from world-class clubs and associations that can give impact to us, uh, give us some experience of what is going on and things like that. So your, your, your mindset is open more towards the industry and you learn about all main aspects uh, of, of, of the game. Thank you for that. And if you were to highlight kind of like the main value from your studies at Johan Griff Institute, what would you point out to? Is there anything, is there anything you, you would be able to point out? question because I, I, I believe that there are many values that I learned from the Institute, but if to me, um, I believe in the education and the best practices when it comes to data, new technologies to achieve your goals in, 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 in football. Football is an easy game, as, 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 uh, as Johan uh, Cruyff uh, said, but you need to understand it properly. And uh, I, I like a quote that he, he, he said that when he asked, uh, why couldn't you beat a rich club? Um, and he said, I never seen a bag of uh, money scoring a goal. And that made me laugh, you know, because it's, it's true, you know. Uh, now, the better understanding clubs will win. Not the, not, not the financially uh, better teams or anything like that. If you look at uh, Brighton model, if you look at Brentford uh, model, they are clubs with, with not as rich as other clubs, but they can do a lot of uh, achievements. So I think that that made me to have a value of uh, education and best practices to, to, to achieve your goals. That's a great example. And I like that phrase, you know. And to your point, I think Brighton and, and Brentford are also examples of stability, which is something I discussed back uh, in the day with Jordan Gardner. And we were just talking about how these clubs are just, uh, you know, when you have a, a leadership team that, that, you know, commits to the long term, that is not, you know, falling into the trap of short-term pressure, um, it makes things so much easier. And then, quote-unquote, magically, that translates into the field. You know, so definitely good good example to say. You no, know, Brentford and Brighton, as you mentioned, no. Um, and and in terms of um, skills, I mean, what do you believe that football industry leaders um, need in terms of skills to kind of like um, <laughs> embrace this era of change that that we're facing right now? Well, uh, I have to ask the question, the same question to myself, since I'm 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 uh, I'm in the industry, and I think what will I need to be the better leader, let's say. So if I ask my question th this, I will say you need to have a strategic thinking at the beginning uh, because, of course, you need to understand the main goals or the, the vision of the club and what are you able to achieve. And then the second thing will be flexibility to me uh, because football is a very dynamic and changing uh, thing. Uh, so in one year, you can compete to... Par to, to top level and second year you might 
lose a player or sell a player and then you see yourself in a very difficult situation. So you have to be uh, flexible and and change. And uh, the third and most importantly, you have to be patient. Uh, To be a a leader in football, you will definitely need to be uh, patient and uh, able to, 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 to take the challenges and move on. So I really like those pillars of, you know, strategic vision, flexibility, patience. In that sense, is there any sports industry leader that you look up to? Uh, I won't say leaders. I think um, I like the role model of Fenway Sports Group, the owners of Liverpool and how they transformed the club from 2010 till today, looking into infrastructure of the club, looking into the technology and, of course, winning trophies, uh, which comes uh, at, at, at the end of, of it. Also, um, City Group, uh, the owners of uh, Manchester City, is another example of football business excellence, let's say. So these two models I like a lot, but not not a specific leader, let's say, in, in, in the segment. Yeah, we actually gave the City Football Group um, an award during World Football Summit Europe. So I, I can totally relate to that answer. Those are great examples how to follow. Um, so Ahmed, this has been... a very fun conversation. I mean, it's helped me a lot to understand really uh, football in, in the MENA region, in Bahrain, uh, how how it is to actually run a club like WIFA. Um, I guess I was wondering, I mean, back in September, we launched a rebrand at World Football Summit. And basically what we claim is that we need a better football industry that commits to excellence, to innovation, to sustainability across its three pillars, you know, economic, environmental, and social, which is something that you alluded to before. But I was wondering if you would be able to describe very briefly in one or two sentences the football you want or the football you need. Um, football I want when, when, when you mentioned uh, very nice pillars when it comes to excellence, innovation and sustainability. Um, but looking at a football club or an entity, of course, you would look into the excellence when it comes to uh, performance of the players, the new technologies, the professionalism, everything that you want in the top level. And then innovation. Now, nowadays, it's, it's, a, it's an open door for all aspects of technologies and AI and all that uh, aspect. Um, and sustainability, of course, to make sure that the football that we see is the same football that will 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 be forever. Thank you for that. I mean, I think um, we need leaders around the world to actually embrace a better football, not just a selected few, if we actually want this to work. Um, now, Ahmed, if I'm not mistaken, you're a big Liverpool fan. And, and I was wondering if you would be able to go back in history and acquire any Liverpool player um, for Rifa, who would that be and why? Imagine that you have no budget uh, constraints, no time constraints, meaning you can grab anybody in history. So who, who, would, it, who would it be? It would be definitely Steven Gerrard, of course. Um, he's the best football player that I ever saw. Um, and beside that, he's a proper leader. Uh, if you see his influence, for example, the Champions League final uh, 2005, the team were... 3-0 down and managing to come back in a dramatic way. Um, and at my type, I like, uh, I believe in the player personality uh, and I would love to see a leader like him in, in, in every team that I support. I was just trying to think of a better example, but I couldn't agree more, no? Yeah. It's a great example of, of what a football player really needs to be, not just a Liverpool football player, but in general what a football player is, no? So thank you for that. Uh, Ahmed, I want to thank you. This has been so much fun. Um, 
Are there any last words that you want to share with the audience? Um, where can they learn more about you, about the work that you do? I mean, the floor is yours. Uh, well, thanks a lot, of course, for the opportunity. Um, I like uh, our conversation, uh, questions, answers. Of course, if you leave me to speak about football, I, I would never stop. Um, so it was nice chat, and uh, I would like to thank you uh, for that. Um, I'm, I'm available in all social media uh, platform, uh, active in Instagram, uh, with the same name, Ahmed Al Khalifa, on, on LinkedIn as well. So uh, anyone who's listening to us, uh, please keep in touch. And uh, I'm always happy to uh, to keep in touch and uh, learn from everyone, discuss with everyone. And, you know, uh, football is a, is a place where we know uh, our friends and colleagues. And uh, I'm always open for that. Thank you, Ahmed. Uh, it's been great. And, and as you said, I think football is a common language. Uh, I think it unites people or, uh, in, in business and, and on the field as well. No? So thank you. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll speak again in, in the near future. You can tell me how the, the region is evolving and, and it's going to be super interesting as well. Thank you, Ahmed. Definitely. Keep it that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. And there you have him, Ahmed from Rifa and Johan Cruyff Institute, of course. That was an interesting conversation. I have so many interesting takeaways. Um, I guess most importantly for me, it was the opportunity to learn how football in the region is evolving. And it's not only about Saudi Arabia. It's interesting to see how the investment they're making is having a positive effect in the entire region. It's elevating the quality of play. And that is obviously drawing more fans into the game. That is opening up more commercial opportunities because you're getting more broadcasting deals, more partnerships. And at the end of the day, that's a flywheel that's going to fuel growth in the future. No? So, so interesting there. But it also stood out to me how um, there's a big focus in the social side of football in Bahrain. Um, and I think that's something that any industry leader needs to embrace. It's not just about the business side of things, but it's also the positive impact you're creating in society and culture. And Bahrain is a market that's growing. And, and you know, they, the three pillars that they're, they're using to grow, um, investment, popularity, and youth football is something to keep in mind um, to really grow the entire ecosystem around those pillars. No? Um, and finally, more on the leadership side, I couldn't agree more with what Ahmed said about, you know, the values that sports um, teach, you know, in terms of being able to accept challenge, in terms of leadership, in terms of empathy, you know, um, and the skills that, you know, he, he learned at Johan Cruyff Institute, you know, based on some great examples that he mentioned during his time there, which is, you know, um, strategic vision, flexibility, and patience, right? Anyway. That was a great conversation. I hope you had a lot of fun. I want to thank our friends from Johan Cruyff Institute for setting that up and, you know, check their programs out because as you've seen, they have high quality uh, profiles that are, you know, in the arena, as I like to say, um, helping drive the industry forward and, and making change. Um, and before we go, don't forget to subscribe, rate the podcast on your platform of choice and share it with your colleagues. It helps us. And, and remember, you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes and you'll see uh, a weekly summary of everything that's going on in the industry, around trends, uh, around what's going on at our events. I mean, you know, don't, don't miss it if, if you're interested in what we do. And nothing else from my side. I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the World Football Summit podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. 
I definitely learned something new and I hope you did too. And nothing else from my side. Have a great day and I hope to see you next time.